We hope you're blessed and encouraged by the following study from Calvary Chapel, Elmani. It's our simple prayer that you would grow stronger and deeper in an intimate and personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Should you have any questions, please feel free to contact us here at Calvary Chapel, Elmani. If you have a Bible, we can go to Luke 10, beginning in verse 38. We'll go through our text and then we'll come back at the end of the study today. and We'll have five things that I think we can walk away with. So it's here in Luke 10, verse 38. Now it happened as they went that he, speaking of Jesus, entered a certain village and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. She had a sister called Mary, who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you're worried and troubled about many things, but one thing is needed. And Mary has chosen that good part, which will not be taken away from her. Here we see a really important uh, story that we can glean from, and I pray that we can learn from, that to me I really believe is really one of the most important keys in all our life, on all our life as a Christian, the key to being a Christian, the key to you know, knowing the will of the Lord, to knowing what I would even call the divine details of our life. And that is sitting at the feet of Jesus. And when we talk about sitting at the feet of Jesus, you know, we talk about that quiet time when we just, man, we really just get into our closet. It's a a place where we can get into the word and really ask him to speak to us, where we can kneel down on our knees, where we can fall down on our face and spend that time in prayer with the Lord. You know, to sit at his feet is to be a disciple, to be a pupil, to be a learner, And I believe it's something that God wants us to do every single day of our life. You know, if we miss a day, it doesn't mean he doesn't love you. But if you miss a day, you're missing out. God will give you the instructions you need every single day of your life. You know, how many of you here, you wake up in the morning and have a cup of coffee, just out of curiosity? I mean, some of you even have your coffee pot set, man. It goes off, right? See, you guys are the saved ones, right? Coffee, you know. How many of you here eat? You know, unless you're fasting, you eat every day, right? I mean, you wouldn't go a day usually unless, you know, you're fasting, but usually you eat every day. How many of you here exercise on a daily basis? You have that discipline and you do it every day. You know, there's certain things I think that we do every day. We breathe every day. I mean, there's other things, right? Um, This right here is another one of those things that I really want to encourage you to add to that list. Because if you're not, you know, at the feet of Jesus... If you're defeated, D-E-F-E-E-T, if you're defeated, then you will be defeated in life. If you don't do this, you know you're going to lose. And that's why today's study is so important. We have a lot of heartache. Why? Because we're not doing what we've been taught to do. Here we see in verse 38 that Martha opened her home to Jesus, that Martha welcomed him as a guest. Now, when you read the Bible, you know that this family, Martha, Mary, and their brother Lazarus, were almost certainly close friends to Jesus Christ. According to John chapter 11, verse 1, they had a house in Bethany, 
And when we read the Bible, we know that Jesus would actually spend the night there. He would hang out with them. And so as he's there, Martha welcomes him into her house. Again, we read in verse 39 that Martha had a sister. Her name was Mary, and she sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha, in verse 40, was distracted with much serving. And so we're going to see that this is a pattern in their life. Martha was serving. Mary was sitting. That's their description in the Bible. If you go over to John chapter 12, you don't have to turn there. It says there they made him a supper and Martha served. That was her, you know, uh, identification. Martha here is serving. But Mary, when you read the Bible, every time we see her, You'll never guess where she is. She's always sitting at the feet. She's always at the feet of Jesus. We see her here at the feet of Jesus in verse 39. She sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. So here she is getting the word. If you go over to John chapter 11, if you would, we'll turn there real quick. You'll notice that this was her mark. John chapter 11, after her brother had died. You know, there she is. Now we read in verse 32, John 11. Then when Mary came where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. In other words, she came to him with her problem. See, she went to Jesus' feet getting the word, and, and she went to Jesus' feet, like giving her her weeping, her troubles, her, her cares. She knew where to go. That was her identification. She had this close, intimate, personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And my prayer is that that's what you would have, that that's what I would have as well. That it's not a church you know, institution where, you know, a social club where you kind of go on Sundays and you check off your list. Know that it really would be us gathering together and together with all the different gifts and love and fellowship that we have. We'd be stirring each other up to this, to have a personal relationship with Christ. You know, sometimes people come to you and they've got their problems. Okay, here's your answer. And I tell them what to do in that situation. Or you might tell them what to do. Well, the Bible says this and this is what you do. And it's cool. We need to be there to give that counsel. But it's like giving them an apple, <laughs> You know, and it's only going to last so long. I would much rather give them a tree, an apple tree, and tell you what, man, whatever problems you have, you know, you don't need me necessarily as a mediator. I'm telling you this, that the living God, the one who made you, the one who loves you, you know, he will be there to counsel you as you develop and cultivate this intimate and personal relationship with him. And you can go to him and you can get his word You can go to his feet and weep and tell him all the struggles that you had. You can be honest with him. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would have died. And that's how you feel. See, that's the way Mary was. She was at the feet of Jesus. You know, the word and and the weeping. And then the worship. If you go over to John chapter 12, verse 3, it says, Then Mary took a pound of very costly oil of spikenard, It was a a year's wages. So however much you make in a year, $50,000, whatever it is, it was a year's worth of earnings. And she anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the oil. It's an act of worship. 
It's an act of love. It's an act of this incredible insight, knowing one of the few that knew what was happening, that Jesus was about to die. Mary knew this when even the disciples didn't know this. Why? Because she had that place of peace. She lived her life. It was our identification of sitting at Jesus' feet, of going and getting the word, of coming and bringing her, her weepings to him, of going now and being able to worship him like no other. The whole house was filled with the fragrance. You see, that was their pattern. Martha was always serving and Mary had this priority of what? Of sitting. You know, we see that as we go to the scriptures. Basically what happened was Martha opened her home to Jesus and that's cool. Lord, you can stay here and I'll make you a real fancy meal. Cool. But Mary opened her heart to Jesus. And if Jesus had to choose between the two, I'm telling you this right now, he would much rather have you open your heart to him than, you know, your home to him. And so we read in verse 40, after this happens, we got to get the background. Martha's there, Mary's sitting. Verse uh, 40, it says, Martha was what? Distracted with much serving. She was distracted with a whole bunch of serving. You know, Martha was distracted and Mary was discipled. The Greek word translated distracted, it means to be pulled away. It means to drag all around. It means to be driven about mentally. It means to be overoccupied. It means to be too busy. You know, at the heart of it, it means to be pulled apart. You guys remember in the early days of Christianity, what they would do is they would take the Christians down to the Roman Colosseum and they literally would tie their limbs to different animals, horses, and they would literally pull them apart and kill them. Well, in one sense, even though we don't experience that, you know, literally we do experience that. You know, that was where, you know, we've got all these things you know, just demands and there's so many different directions and it's like the enemy, the world, the flesh, they pull us apart. They kill us. We're like Martha's a lot of times. And God says, listen, you know what? Let me teach you. Let me tell you about this story about when that time when I went over Martha and Mary's house and everything that happened. Why? Because I want you to learn from that. You see, we get so busy, especially here in America. It's kind of funny, even with all our inventions. You know, when the modern age uh, began to take off, um, they thought that all these mechanisms and all these machines and all these computers would be time savers. Did you guys know that? They thought that with all these inventions that you and I would only have to work two days a week. That's what they thought. (laughs) Okay, now you guys look back and we look back at history and there's, yeah, some things that have been you know, simplified for us. But generally speaking, wouldn't you agree with me if I was to tell you that we're more busy now than we've ever been? It's true. You know, and that's why it's important to understand this. You know, B-U-S-Y, there's an acronym, being under Satan's yoke. How many of you guys have heard that? Not a good place when the devil tells you what to do and you do it. (laughs) Not just being under Satan's yoke. How about being under society's yoke? 
Society tells you what to do. And you'd be surprised how we fall in line, how we march to that piper. You'd be surprised. But you take a really good look at your life and you're going to find that a lot of the practices that we have have been imposed upon us because we have been conformed to this world. We're under society's yoke. You know, it might even be under the self-yoke. A lot of times we all are too hard on ourselves. And we tell ourselves, you've got to be perfect and you've got to do this. And don't get me wrong, we try to be upright citizens with integrity and character of Christ. But, you know, when we're trying to do all these things, and rather than being under His yoke, then we're going to get pulled apart. We're going to suffer. We're going to be distracted. We're going to die. That's why it's so important to today say, Lord, I make a commitment. I need to make a recommitment to spend that time with you and, and to sit at your feet. You see, Jesus said in Matthew 11, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, from gentle and lowly in heart, you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. See, if you don't have rest in your life, if you don't have peace, if you feel scattered, if you feel distracted, if you feel like you're bouncing off walls, it's because you have yokes that are not of the Lord. But when you go to Jesus, He'll tell you what to do. Mark chapter 1, if you read it, verses 35 through 39, it was, talks about the time when Jesus rose up real early in the morning and He went away and He spent time with the Father. You know, talking with the Father... And just all alone, you know, him and his father. And then what ended up happening was Peter, they went looking for him and they finally found him and they said, Lord, here you are. Man, we've been looking for you. All these people have been waiting for you. And the Lord says, you know what? We got to go somewhere else now. He wasn't under society's yoke. He wasn't under Satan's yoke. He wasn't under his self-yoke. He was under his father's yoke. And he said, okay, now we got to do this. He wasn't being pulled apart. He was falling in line with his father's will. But that's only going to happen if you spend time with the Lord. You know, if you think, oh, it'll just kind of naturally fall, you know what? It's not going to be that way. You see, when I was reading this right here, I said, man, I remember, Lord, you told me if the devil can't make you bad, he'll make you busy. If he can't deceive you, he sure will distract you. And so it made me search my heart. Lord, what about my life? You know, it's so sad when you look at this right here, you guys, because it's so common to be distracted with the same thing that Martha was distracted with. Notice again, it says in verse 40, but Martha was distracted with much, what? Serving. She was distracted with much serving. She was not sitting at Jesus' feet. She was serving in the flesh, on her own strength, with her own power. She was doing too much and had probably been doing too much for too long. And so the day came. It's got to come. The day came when there's an eruption because of the corruption. There's an explosion because of the constant commotion. It's got to happen. The day comes and she comes to the Lord. She's frustrated, agitated, irritated. She's mad at Mary and she's probably even losing it with the Lord, you know. There she is in verse 40. Lord, don't you care? Don't you care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. She became demeaning to Jesus. She even became demanding to Jesus. What a lie, huh? Don't you care? 
I mean, coming to the Lord with that accusations, you know, and when we don't sit at Jesus' feet, we will believe some pretty crazy lies, man. The one that says, God doesn't care about me. God doesn't care about the way that, you know, I, I'm being wronged or whatever it is you're going through. You know, here was the Lord, you know, uh, at their house wanting to minister to them. More than likely, what was going on was he would, he's cool with them making a meal. Probably just wanted beans and rice, maybe a little bit of salsa, maybe some tortillas. That's about it, right? But here she's going to you know, extravagant meal. You know, Mary was in the kitchen for a while. It says that she left me. So she was in the kitchen, but once that was done, once the beans and rice were done, salsa and tortillas, once that was all done, then she left because now it's time to do something different. Now it's time to sit and to listen to the Lord. You see, and there's a time for that. There's a time for this. But Martha didn't understand that. And so as a result of never sitting at Jesus' feet, she came to this point where she said, you know what, Lord, I don't know if you really care. You know, the same thing happened to the disciples. In Mark chapter 4, if you read the story there, remember they were in the storm and they thought they were sinking. They thought for sure they were sinking. And they weren't thinking, wait a minute, Jesus is in the boat. We can't sink. You know, and we go through life and whatever it is we've got, you know, you know, we're getting hit, we're going through the trials and the struggles and the questions, and there we are, we thinking we're going to die, and yet Christ is in our boat. It doesn't matter what you're going through, God will use it for good. But what do they do? They there, they thought they were dead, so they come to the Lord, don't you care that we are perishing? There's that lie again, don't you care? Of course God cares. You know, the Bible says in 1 Peter 5, verse 7, to cast all your cares upon him. Why? Because he cares for you. He's probably the only one that cares for you in the way that you need to be cared for. And that's why it's important that you bring your cares to him. And you pray and you say, Lord, I'm struggling with this. And you cast all your cares because you can't carry that refrigerator. You may be strong, but you're not strong enough. To carry that on your own shoulders. It will crush you. And you've got to give it to the Lord. You know, Jesus said in John 10, I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. Hireling, he's not the shepherd, one who does not own the sheep. He sees the wolf coming. He leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf catches the sheep and scatters them. The hireling flees because he is a hireling and does not care about the sheep. I'm the good shepherd. I know my sheep and I'm known by my own. You see, the Lord is my shepherd, therefore I shall not want. You see, when we don't sit at Jesus' feet, we become not only God's counselor, we become God's commander. (laughs) Think about that, you know. Lord, don't you care? Lord, tell her this. (laughs) And we start telling God what to do. Whenever I think of that, I, I think of Romans chapter 11. If you want to turn there real quick, I remember we used to sing this song and a beautiful, beautiful song. But here in Romans chapter 9, 10, and 11, really the book of Romans, you know, one of the things that it speaks about in a real strong way is God's sovereignty. God is on the throne. Romans 9, 10, and 11 speaks about the salvation of the Jews and how God worked this whole thing out with Jacob and Esau and Gentiles and the whole thing is about God's sovereignty, how God's in control. 
And you know, we can look at the things that are going on and we won't be able to explain them, but it's important for us to understand that the peace that we will get is not that we have understanding, but we have the peace that comes from understanding the Lord is on the throne. In verse 33, he says, Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of many. No, I'm just joking. It doesn't say that. You know, all the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. For who has known the mind of the Lord or who has become his counselor? You're like me. Lord, can I tell you to change this? Lord, can I? You know what? You need to rearrange this. And God says, kick back, Cracker Jack. I'm on the throne, man. And I tell you what, check it out. I will work all things together for good to those who love God and who are the call according to His purpose. I'm going to take all those things. And even though you don't understand that ingredient that right now you're struggling with, it's part of my plan. You see? I mean, here's Mary and she's demeaning the Lord and she's demanding of the Lord and she's telling Him, you know, that he's not caring and she's telling him that he needs to change things and do things. And the Lord is completely on the throne. And the reason that she's in that condition is because she's neglected her quiet time with God. You know, and it's not a difficult thing to figure out. I'm not telling you guys to go get a degree. You know, that would be more difficult. That would be more expensive. All I'm telling you to do, all I'm encouraging you to do, all God is calling us to do, is to give to God what belongs to God. To give Him off the top when it comes to our treasure. To give Him off the top when it comes to our time. You know, a lot of you here are really good at tithing, you know, and you give off the top. You know, you get your paycheck in and you give to God what belongs to God. And I'm sure for those of you who tithe, you would come up here and you would testify, and God has provided all my needs. Amen? You would say, man, it's amazing to me how, you know, the money stretches, how, you know, I'm not with empty pockets, because you gave to God. Well, the same thing is true with time. If you give to God the time that belongs to Him, you'd be surprised how you're going to have time for everything else. Even to go do those other things, you know, that you want to do. It's an amazing thing. It's the same principle. What we need to do is we need to sit at his feet, pray, get in the word, ask God to speak to us, take a half an hour, an hour of your day. It's not too much to ask so that you can be alone with God. And that's what I think the Lord's calling us to do. You see, when we don't sit at Jesus' feet, Look what happens in verse 41. Jesus answered and she said to her, Martha, Martha, you're worried and troubled about many things. When we don't sit at Jesus' feet, we become worried. You know, when we're at Jesus' feet, we'll find a place of peace. We'll find a perfect peace. We'll find a peace that surpasses understanding. The word worried, it means to be anxious about, troubled with cares. Vine's Dictionary defines it as distracting cares. The same Greek word is used over in Philippians 4. If you would, let's turn there. Philippians chapter 4. You guys are going to know where all your books of the Bibles are. Girls eat popcorn. Philippians chapter 4. Look what it says here in verse 6. Be anxious. That's the same Greek word. 
Martha, you're worried. Martha, you're anxious. Martha, you're worried about many things. The Lord says, be anxious for nothing. (laughs) But in everything, by prayer and supplication, there it is with thanksgiving. Thank you, Lord, for this trial. Thank you, Lord, for this. I don't understand it, but I believe by faith that it's part of your plan with everything, he says, with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. It's okay. You come to the Lord and you say, Lord, would it be cool? And, and then what happens? The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will do what? Guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. You see, when you sit at his feet and you're getting his word, when you're sitting at his feet and you're praying and you're asking and you're letting request be made known to God, then what ends up happening is it's almost like you put on a helmet. You know, if you go out there and you play football without a helmet, guess what's going to happen? You're going to get brain damage, okay? Go out there and you ride your motorcycle without a helmet, you crash, get what's happened, you die, okay? Crack your head open. You need a helmet. And if you're not praying, you've got no helmet. He says, if you pray and you're spending time with the Lord, then the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds. So now all those arrows that you're fighting, 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 they're not there. They're bouncing off the helmet of God's heavenly protection. You see, and what ends up happening is if you don't do that, then you will be anxious and you will be worried. You see, we're not supposed to be there. We need to be at Jesus' feet listening and praying. Why? Because worry is a sin. It goes against Christ's clear commands. If you go over to Matthew chapter 6, we see some commands here. In Matthew 6, look what it says in verse 25. Matthew 6, verse 25, it says, Therefore I say to you, who says to you? Manny says to you. No, I say to you, Jesus says to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? You don't worry about your life. You don't worry about your provision. God will give you what you need, food and clothing. With these we shall be content. That's all we really need. He says, but don't worry. Now in the Greek, it's a real interesting uh, grammar. It's a negative present imperative. An imperative is a command. And what this means, literally in the Greek, God says, stop doing this. Stop doing this. If you go down to verse 31, he says, Therefore do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek. Now in context, when he's speaking of the Gentiles, he's speaking about the unsaved. The heathen. That's the way they are. Why are you like that? Don't you remember you're my sheep? I'm your shepherd? Don't you remember you will never lack anything that you'll ever need for the journey? Here it's a different word. The first one is stop doing this. Now this time it's the Greek and it's a negative aorist imperative, not a negative present imperative. And that means don't even begin to do this. Don't even begin to do this. God says, don't worry. Yeah, but what happens one time if I have to speak in public? Well, then you go over to Matthew chapter 10. Notice what it says in verse 19. But when they deliver you up, do not worry about how or what you should speak, for it will be given to you in that hour what you should speak. 
See, the Lord will give us everything we need. We don't have to worry about clothing or eating or living. We don't have to worry about fashion or food or finances or the future. We don't have to worry even if we're facing our greatest fear. They say that public speaking is the greatest fear. You don't have to worry about anything. Why? Because the Lord will be there giving us everything we need. Even if you think about it, it's kind of weird. The very words on that day and in that time. In other words, God provides everything. And so we go back in Luke chapter 10 and we see Jesus told Martha, listen, you're worried. And then he tells her you're troubled about many things. The word troubled, it means troubled in mind, disquieted. It happens when we don't sit at Jesus' feet. In other words, it's unnecessary. You don't have to live life like that. You know, one thing I want to just make note of is just how the Lord deals with her. And I pray that it would come across that way even this morning, you guys, that, you know, we're not here and we're not, you know, condemning anybody. You know, when he says Martha, 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 what that would mean in that culture when you're repeating, you know, that is it's a compassionate, you know, reach. It's not a condemning reach. What it is is a caring reach. It comes from the heart of a father even, you know. Kind of like David when Absalom died. Is You read the text, Absalom, Absalom, my son, my son. Just reaching out. There's this hurt. There's this care. There's this compassion. Kind of like when Jesus was weeping over Jerusalem. He says, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. Martha, Martha, Manny, Manny, listen. You know, even when the Lord reached out to Saul, if you think about it, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? I mean, that's God's care. That's God's compassion. You know, we see Martha here was troubled about many things. But notice the contrast in verse 42. But one thing is needed. And Mary has chosen that good part which will not be taken away from her. You know, one thing is needed. That word need is such a huge word. We can save a lot of money if we determine our true needs. Amen? Amen. Amen. We can save a lot of time if we are engaged only in real needs. We can save a lot of heartache if we discover what we really need to do because God tells us to do it. And while in one sense there's a plurality of needs in the world that we live in, all that is schooled and ruled by the time we discover when we sit at Jesus' feet. I pray, you guys, that we would hear his voice. I pray that we would make that choice. It says right there, one thing is needed and Mary has chosen. You can leave today and you can live the same life that you live because you might think you're doing okay. You can leave today and you can say, you know what, I've still got my head above water. But you know what, I'm here to tell you, man, I'll venture to say God's got so much more for you. All he's asking for is your heart, is to be first, is time. I mean, is that so bad? God wants time alone with you. We need that. We really do. That's what God wants us to come to. It says that Mary has chosen that good part. If you have an NIV, it says Mary has chosen what is better. If you have an NET, it says Mary 
has chosen the best. (laughs) And that is the best. And we have to make that decision daily, you know, to spend that time with him. You know, I know it hurts. How many of you guys here struggle waking up in the morning, just out of curiosity? I know it hurts a little bit, man, but you know what? My, what it's just, it's like, this is like a revelation. Go to bed earlier. <laughs> I know it's crazy revelation, but try it. <laughs> you know, you go to bed a little earlier and you're like, well, I can't fall asleep. Well, eventually you'll get into that pattern. You know, sometimes we'll have friends over, you know, at my house and sometimes even the youth or someone will come over. But when it's time to sleep, I disappear. And they're like, hey, where'd Manny go? Oh, he went to bed. He's weird, huh? <laughs> well, I, I probably because I'm a lightweight, but, but, you know, I know that I need to spend that time. To me, that's the most important thing in life, waking up in the morning before my wife and kids, because once they wake up, ah, you know, it's different, right? <laughs> All I know is that, you know, you spend that time with the Lord. Some people say, well, I like to spend time with the Lord while I'm driving. Well, you know, hopefully when you're driving, you're giving attention to your driving, So that means you're not giving God your undivided attention. And that's why Jesus would go and find a solitary place and he would pray. And that's what we need to do as well. We've got to make that choice. It's interesting. The Lord says right here, Mary has chosen that good part which will not be taken away from her, insinuating that all of the things will be taken away. This is the one thing, it's the one mode of living where you find yourself engaged in things that are everlasting. All of the things you did on your own strength, yeah, but I'm serving you, God. I didn't call you to do that. That will not last. This, it will last. He says no one's going to be able to take it away. And that's so huge. You know, um... I really encourage you guys to know the difference between you know, what God has called us to do and what you might feel called to do, what others call you to do, even what the devil tempts you to do. And when you do things God's way, then it won't be empty. You guys are my friends, right? Right, okay, I'm going to read this to you, man. Vanity, vanity, why do we so frequently live in that misery Mandates of society or even busy in ministry. Sometimes idols and family. It's all vanity, vanity. We say, but God, my responsibility financially, physically, and of course there's that spiritually, I must be busy even though I get dizzy. And yet I find myself playing, not praying, and earning, not learning. God, you know my heart. Why, I cannot choose that better part. And while I admit it's a little scary, here I am and I have chosen to be a Martha and not a Mary. And we go on serving without sitting. My friend, may I say to you today, that's not just vanity. If you make that tragic choice, if you will not hear God's voice to sit at his feet, One day at a time, it's not just vanity, it's straight out insanity. You guys, it's very simple. God wants to be alone with you. God wants to spend time with you. What is more important? Why would you refuse to choose to spend time with the Lord? 
See, that's what we see right here, the difference between Martha and Mary. You see, Martha was serving and Mary was sitting. Martha was distracted while Mary was discipled. Martha was troubled with many things. Mary was caught up with one thing. Martha's life was fading. Mary's life was everlasting. Martha had an open heart, home, but Mary had an open heart. And so you're here today and you're thinking, Manny, are you telling me not to serve anymore? No way, Jose. That's not what I'm saying, man. No way. Because what you'll find is that when you sit at Jesus' feet, you'll have more time to serve. When you sit at Jesus' feet, he will send you out to serve. You see, it's not a matter of either or, it's a matter of before. Before you go and serve, you sit. It's not a matter of either or, it's a matter of what's superior. What's superior is to sit at his feet and you draw from these wells of living water. And then you go out and you serve the people that he loves with the love that he pours into your heart. You see, Jesus was busy, probably the busiest guy who ever lived, but he was able to do it with peace and effectiveness. Why? Because he sat at his father's feet. I'm telling you guys, you got to believe me, man. If you will not, you know, sit at Jesus' feet, if the devil takes that away from you, if you are defeated, then you will be defeated, huh? So true. Let's pray. Father, we come before you thanking you so much, Lord, for your call to us to simply be with you and spend time at your feet. And now we've got a choice to make. I pray that we would choose like Mary did to make this a part of our everyday life. Give us a place that we can run to and be with you. We need you, Lord. I thank you that you're the type of God that you say, Martha, Martha, Manny, Manny, or whatever our name is, you're so compassionate to call us to this place that we need to be. All the Christians here calling us into a deeper life and all those here today who might not be a Christian, Lord, how you love them. You died for them. Maybe they came in today with heavy burdens, Lord. And you want to lift the burden. You want to wash away the sins. And you want to give them a new start in life. And your word says, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Your word says, As many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. Lord, I thank you so much for the cross, for dying for our sins. And if there's anyone here today who's not a Christian, who has not surrendered their life completely and totally to you, then I pray that today would be that day, Lord. That you, by your spirit, would speak to the heart that maybe doesn't know you. And right here, right now, Lord, they would surrender and yield to you. We love you so much, Lord. We need you, we praise you, and we look to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you're here today and you're not a Christian, let's just say you came in, somebody invited you, somehow you found yourself here, you need Jesus. You will perish without Jesus. He loves you. He died for you. But before you leave today, you need to repent of your sins, turn from your sins that are just messing up your life anyways, and trust in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. 
In order to do that, we would invite you, after we sing this song, if you want to receive Christ, or if you need prayer, after we sing this last song, please, I beg you, come forward, and we would love to pray with you, so that you can know, if you die today, you'll go to heaven, so that you can have...